we catch these things like they're so contagious uh, emotions are, you know, somebody shows up and they're smiling and just, you know, they're in a great, before you know it, you're feeling that. Uh, someone shows up complaining or gossiping before you know it, you're feeling that. So it, it's, it's a very disciplined approach. So when someone comes at you, maybe raging at you or something for you to answer with that. Uh, and it's very effective. It's very effective when somebody is coming at you and you're in self-control and you're staying calm and whatever that, that, that wins. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Hey, good afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon. How are you, Marty? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, good seeing you yesterday. Yeah, I'm excited to get back to regular hanging out and walks and talks and stuff like that. Yeah. So what's on your mind today? Well, if I had to put it in one word, it would be what is our response to the insane level of critique, criticism, suspicion, judgmentalism, and confusion in our world? Mm -hmm. Yep. And it doesn't seem to be getting much better. Seems to be going he sounds so other. pessimistic. Well, you know, sometimes it gets worse before it gets better, right? The darkest before the dawn. Right. <laughs> and you cannot come up with a one-size-fits-all answer, but I believe, and I'd be interested to hear psychologically your thoughts on this. And the answer that I'm seeking or starting to look into is very overlooked and a lot of people would say, meh, or it's not that big a deal. But if I had to sum it up in one word, it would be the word gentleness. Gentleness. Yeah, that's a, a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is. In other words, the result of when you open yourself up to God and say, come in and fill me. Mm -hmm. And, and this scripture talks about that there are fruits, there are results of opening yourself up to God. And there's results of allowing yourself just to go the way of the flesh versus the spirit. And the results of having God's spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yes. What, what's goodness, by the way? Um, you've told me that before, but I forgot. Like, what, what do they mean by what's the word yeah. best translated at? Goodness has to do really more with acts of service, like doing something good for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's more of a, it's not wishing good on people. It's doing good. Okay. So, yeah. so when someone says that's a, he's a good guy, they probably mean that. Yeah. He's helped. He's been known to help people. Right. Right. He's been known to be somebody that you call on when you needed something. So gentleness. Okay. Where did it go? Was it ever here? Are we losing it or did we just not have it? Was it hiding? Well, I think that it's easy to get wrapped up in an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. In other words, oh, you're treating me this way. I'm going to treat you that way. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of this build up, like this nuclear arms race. 
mm-hmm. gentleness, I think, cuts that off from from becoming worse. And it sounds like such a mild word, but if you look at the root of it, it has to do with caring, consideration, not exploding on people, but it also has to do with the word meekness. And the word meekness is best described as a bridled strength. Like gentleness does not mean marshmallow. Right. It has to do way more with strength that is shown in gentle ways. Yes. Like a, a giant horse is sometimes called meek, especially in ancient times when horses were a lot more common for everything. So if a horse is meek, that is not a diss against a horse. That means they are a strong horse who has their strength under control. Gotcha. Right. So self-control is like, I've said this about the fruits of the spirit. It's not like you you just get one. I think they all kind of come maybe in different measures, but um, the self-control dovetails with that. Very much so. Yeah. And gentleness, it's kind of the same thing. Everybody's gentle until something trips them. Right. You know, or at least they think they are. This is a good topic because I think that when I see people um, going after one another on social media, for instance, I don't trust that they're trying to persuade anyone of anything. Right. I think they want to lash out um, and be aggressive towards someone because someone, um, you know, offended them. Yeah. And until you've been treated gently when you probably didn't deserve it, you might not understand the strength and the power and the goodness that is available in gentleness. But sometimes we have to be the recipient of something before our eyes are open to it. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're primates, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, related to primates. And if you don't like that and we learn by modeling, there's so much more information in nonverbal communication. Like if I just say, be gentle, okay, there's not a lot of information there. I don't know what that person's frame of reference is or anything, but if you can see gentleness, how it goes down, how someone is responding to it, there, there's a heck of a lot more to, to be learned from that. And, and you experience it. You, you get to have the experience of it, mm-hmm. what it's like to be with someone who's doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's well over a dozen references in the New Testament, which was written in the first century AD during a pretty volatile time. Most of the people were under Roman occupation. So a foreign power come in, uh, inserting their will, their laws, their views, taking over. You're powerless. You can't get ahead in the world. And yet in the midst of that, one of the powerful responses that we're called for is gentleness. So listen to a couple of these verses, and then I'd love to hear what you think as a psychologist. Ephesians chapter four, verses one through three, Paul is writing to the Christ followers in Ephesus. I therefore a prisoner of the Lord, and he was likely in prison when he wrote this in a Roman prison. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace with all humility and gentleness, bear with one another, be eager to maintain unity. But I think the only way we're going to get there is with humility and gentleness, he seems to be saying. To Christ followers in Colossae, he said this, put 
on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. It's almost kind of like a, how do you approach? What is your stance? What is your posture? To the second, in the second letter of written to the Corinthians, Paul says he appeals to them with the meekness and gentleness of Christ. In Timothy, it requires that the elders or the leaders in the church be not violent, but gentle. And he says in 1 Timothy 6, as for you, O man of God, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfast, gentleness. It's always in a, a pretty strong list of people. It even talks in the letter to the Christ followers in Thessaloniki, which you can visit. There's a university. It's a university town. It says his ministry was characterized when, when Paul was among them, they were like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. I mean, that, that's about as good an image of gentleness as you can get. We're supposed to correct even our opponents with gentleness. Titus chapter 3 tells us to speak evil of no one. Oh, man, we could stop right there. Oh, I know. Avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. And there's more. But there's kind of a, a pattern going on. But to realize that this call for people who are on the way to live is a call to gentleness. Now, a lot of them were underprivileged. A lot of them did not have power. Some of them did, though, have influence. It was very much cross-cultural. It was cross-economic strata that people were being invited to show gentleness. One of the questions is how, what would this look like today? How would this stand out? Would gentleness stand out or would we just be walked all over like a doormat? I, th I think it stands out because I'm always surprised when I see it in unexpected places, right? How someone responds to a threat. Because what you said earlier is, is right on. We catch these things like they're so contagious. Uh, emotions are, you know, somebody shows up and they're smiling and just, you know, they're in a great, before you know it, you're feeling that. Uh, someone shows up complaining or gossiping before you know it, you're feeling that. So it, it's it's a very disciplined approach. So when someone comes at you, maybe raging at you or something for you to answer with that. Uh, and it's very effective. It's very effective. When somebody is coming at you and you're in self-control and you're staying calm and whatever, that, that, that wins mm -hmm. in, in my experience, if you can do it. How much like in a clinical setting, like if somebody comes to see you and they're in need of psychological help for whatever it might be in your schooling for your doctorate, did you have to learn qualities of gentleness or is that something assumed? Yeah, well, we use clinical terms, right? Uh, so no one is saying this is a gentleness 101 or anything like that. No, but it's going to be in there because it's healthy pro-social behavior. What I find myself saying often to patients is I'm asking them to be gentle with themselves. Say more about that. Well, because people tend to be way harder on themselves than they are other people. They'll forgive and excuse and understand and tolerate things in other people that they won't in themselves, right? So they tend to beat themselves up 
with self-talk, with awful, um, you know, criticisms and contempt for themselves. And, and to point that out is like, you know, you, you wouldn't talk to anyone else like that. Not, there's not a person on the planet that you would talk to like that, yet you do that to yourself, right? And they don't know they're doing it. You know, they were, they were taught to do that usually, by the way. You know, we, we love ourselves the way that we were loved, right? We value ourselves the way we were valued because as a child, you're very, you know, um, malleable. You're, mm -hmm. you're looking to your parents to let you know, are you a good boy, Matt? Are you a bad boy? And, and you'll, find, you'll know through what was done and what wasn't done how you were spoken to, how you were treated, when you made a mistake, how, um, you know, were they letting you have some dignity about it or were they trying to humiliate, you know? Wow. So then that gets internalized, you know, self, self-worth even. Yeah. Well, given that so many people seem to be sharing and let's say on social media, so much anger, so much disgust, so much righteousness, what would be some examples that people could put into practice for this very healthy way to approach everything going on in the world called gentleness without feeling like I'm all of a sudden weak and vulnerable and going to get tromped on. Well, here's the thing about weak and vulnerable getting tromped on. Um, what are you going to do? Fight? So somebody yells at you, calls you a name, you call and you yell back. You didn't gain any ground in that battle at all. If anything, you got sucked in. So what are you going to do? Just up the ante until now it will turn into something powerful and then you won't be a doormat because what? You put them to sleep, <laughs> you know? I mean, so you're not, I know it feels powerful when the adrenaline gets going and you're speaking your mind and whatever, but generally I feel smaller if I've engaged in that in the past. I don't feel like I'm no longer a doormat. I feel kind of um, less powerful, right? Less confident because I lost control of myself. So yeah, you won't be a doormat. If you're a matter of fact, there's a, there's a sense of strength that you get when somebody's coming at you with a lot of heat and you're just unflappable, mm -hmm. right? Because, because what it, you did is you, they have no power you and you're showing confidence, right? You're, you're showing that I'm not afraid of you. I'm not uh, even very mad at you really. Right. Um, that strength, you know, I told I think I've told you before, like a, a couple of times people get aggressive on the roads or something like that or mm. really rude. And um, instead of giving them the finger back, I've uh, just just made eye contact, stay calm. So I'm not like staring them down like I'm going to you know attack them. But, you right. know, just stay calm, look at them, just keep my composure. And it's like a spell's broken in them. Wow. They, they come to their wits, you know, and then, then they, they real and then they just kind of back off of it a little bit. Now, that sounds more like strength less like a doormat than someone who just says oh yeah mm -hmm. something powerful about holding on to gentleness that and that still doesn't mean you don't set up proper boundaries in your life or with your ideas or or in a conversation but i heard it put this way whoever whoever's talking the loudest or yelling the most has the weakest argument yeah. Oh, gosh, I'm glad that you said that. Um, and, and this is why people need to get wise. I don't know if people take debate or, or, you know, forensics or anything like that, but because you learn really early how to smell a rat. Right. And one thing is, um, as soon as someone attacks the character of another person, what's called an ad hominem attack, stop listening to them. They have no argument. They're wow. gossiping about someone by attacking that. That's when you have no argument. You can't, um, uh, you know, argue on merit. So you just say, oh, that, that person or, or that news source. You know, now, now your new source is absolutely biased, too, because everybody has to be biased. You have to believe something or have some type of agenda or you wouldn't write an article 
or have it published, right? So, so let's just, you know, if someone is doing that to another person, then why would you trust them, right? They're not arguing in good faith. When somebody approaches you, when somebody comes to see you, when it's somebody, just a friend or a community person in your life, do you ever gauge their strength based on their approach? Are they a gentle person with people? Are they loud, sassy? Oh, oh sure, sure. You do that as part of your assessment, you know, and you want to assess their temperament and their communication styles. For sure, that, that happens. What I've found in my practice and um, is these are some of the kindest, most sweet people that you'll ever meet. And it's the people around them. You know, it's them too. Sometimes they, they get into it, but just generally, you know, they're sensitive people. They can be hurt easily yeah. and, and, and they can't understand why someone would treat them that way. Right. Yeah. Funny. Uh, I actually got to speak in Indiana last weekend for a large conference. And the thing that I said kind of in passing that I got interviewed afterward for a podcast and they said, okay, your most tweetable quote you said was this, why is it so much easier to act like a Christian than it is to react like one? Okay. I gotta think about that. I don't know if I'm right, but I can have an answer. Yeah. Well, because we, um, for automaticity to happen, something that just happens automatically, it has to be rehearsed a lot. Mm-hmm. Right, you have to have a lot of repetition, and um, and and I think that a lot of Christians don't know about the disciplines, right? Uh, there's a rich, rich literature in Christianity with psychology involved, how to do it, not just to do it, because that's a problem people have. Like, love your enemies. Okay, that'll be easy. I'll start right now. Right, uh, right. You don't know how, but because you don't have any techniques or anything like that. Keep in mind, keeping Christ at the forefront of your mind. We need ways to do that or we'll get distracted, you know, kissing your cross, making the sign of the cross, if that's in your tradition, um, you know, praying at the same frequency, yeah. you know, um, studying other prayers too, like in the Psalms, right? Because we don't really know how to, I didn't know how to pray when I first started. I'm learning, right? I had no idea. I didn't know what was right and what was wrong. So uh, modeling them after prayers of saints and church fathers and the apostles, you know? Right. And, you know, I think it goes also to one of the M. Scott Peck things from The Road Less Traveled. Life is difficult. Mm-hmm. But the minute that you can own that life is difficult, it becomes no longer so difficult. That certainly gets rid of the entitlement. Yeah. If you think that you're owed happiness all the time and that you're getting ripped off if you don't have it, that'll cause you some trouble. Or the first time something goes wrong or something doesn't go the way I planned for it to go, rather than react with volatility, Mm -hmm. you know, sniping back at somebody else or the situation. If I know not everything's going to go the way that I want it to go in this conversation, I'm going to have with my wife, this conversation I'm going to have with this friend and how I'm planning out my day. Once I let go of that control, then when the stuff comes back at me, I don't have to react as though everything's falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think it's easier. To, anybody can act good. Hitler was nice to his friends, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. you know, but anybody can be nice when everything's going great. But I think where gentleness is going to be where the rubber meets the road is when things aren't going great. Mm-hmm. When there are problems, when there is volatility, whether it's something we brought on ourselves or something that we're simply reacting to, it's much harder to react. There's that trigger and response moment. 
And I think like you're talking about being disciplined, not just letting ourselves go, which is kind of the motto of, of our world. Just let yourself go and follow your feelings, let your feelings run your life. I think gentleness is one of the most, it's like gravity. You don't ever pay attention to it until you're in midair somewhere or falling. Mm -hmm. It's one of the most powerful ways to deal with an out of control world. Why does it work? Why does gentleness work? Why is it, why is it a virtue? I think because it reflects the very nature of God. Yes. I think because if you are seeing people with the eyes of gentleness, doesn't mean you don't correct what needs correcting. Doesn't mean you let people do whatever they want. But if you are seeing with gentleness, you are seeing people the way God sees them. I think it, it, it almost gives us like a reflection of how God sees a situation or God sees a person. And if I can, if I can tune into that, if God is indeed the center of the universe, then then I'm going to be doing much better if I'm reflecting him to every situation. If I'm taking my cues from, mm-hmm. from the revelation that we have about who God is versus keeping God off center, that's going to sound totally different in how yeah. I live my life. And gentleness is a way of keeping God in the middle of my interactions, in the middle of my frustrations, in the middle of the challenges that I face. If you think about it, God as the center of everything and we radiate out from that gentleness is a part of what we radiate to the people around us in order to keep God in the middle in order, because we've been recipients of the gentleness of God. It doesn't mean harsh things don't happen to us. Sometimes misery is exactly what God needs in our lives to correct where we have gone astray or where we have put him off center. My wife, Lee and I, we have prayed in the past that God would make our kids miserable because of choices that they're making. And people are like, that's so mean. I'm like, no, what's mean is protecting them from things that would correct them or make them miserable enough to want to make a change in their lives. Yeah. God, God disciplines us um, because he cares about us Yeah, because he, he, he loves us. Um, and, and so many people think God's doing this to them. Well, you're giving up your awareness of your power when you say that, because my pain almost always begins with me something usually out of ignorance, not malevolence, but usually, you know, I didn't know any better. So then I touched the stove, I got burnt and I'll remember next time I see the stove, check to see if it's hot, you know? Yeah. But, but rather than blaming God, why is God punishing me? Why is God punishing you with your wife leaving you because you had an affair? So God's punishing you for that, right? You had nothing to do with that. You know, why am I so miserable? Well, you drink a half a fifth every night and that's damaging your body and, and your neurotransmitters aren't there to make you feel good. I don't think God's doing that to you. You know, why isn't God giving me the life that I want? Well, cause you got the relationship in reverse. You follow him. He doesn't follow you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, all that had preach on Sunday morning here at my church. Holla, bring it on home, Marty. Bring it on home. <laughs> Land the plane. <laughs> my wife says, Land the plane, honey. Yeah. That is incredible. Gentleness is a way of keeping potentially God in the middle of our lives, in the center of our lives. Gentleness is how God has reached out, radiated himself to us. And when you look at how many blessings we've received, even in the midst of challenges. So let me ask you this then, we won't drop any names. Okay. But I just, in general, what do you think about those fire and brimstone messages? 
that come across where someone's trying to tell you about how God is a God of love and, you know, and there's a kingdom of heaven, but they're coming at you with a finger pointed and yelling at you. And what do you, where did that come from? And what do you think of it? Mm. Opposite of gentle, in other words, aggressive. Yeah. You know, I avoid the, a lot of that. I've never seen you do it. Yeah. I've well, never I've seen you do it. I've seen you get excited and, and uplifted, but I've never seen you do that. Yeah. You know, there's some people and I pray that if I am sharing a message and somebody is completely off base, that God would bring them to a moment of crisis, personal crisis. Yeah. Belief. But what about yelling at people to get a message across? You know, you know, the type of style I'm talking mm -hmm. about, right? Yeah. The hellfire and brimstone. I saw yellow. it when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I saw, it. Mm -hmm. I won't mention the denomination, but I didn't, it didn't make me feel peaceful. Right. Right. I think that they think that they are somehow exposing sin in our lives that needs to be dealt with, that, that needs to be confronted, that needs to be repented of, that needs to be left behind. That's my only... That's and yelling at you will thing. help you understand it faster? Well, I think that if somebody's headed down the wrong path, if it gets their attention for a moment, but to keep yelling... Why well, assume that anyone would care what I think? So I get upset about somebody's sin. Why would I even assume that they would care what I think? Obviously they don't, or they wouldn't be, they'd say, I can't do this. Marty would be so disappointed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at John the Baptist, he called the Pharisees, you brood of vipers. Yeah, he did. You know, cause he was confronting him. But then at the same time, Jesus treated Nicodemus very differently than John the Baptist treated the Pharisees that he ran into. And I think that's part of it is you can't just categorize people so much. And I, and I don't know if he was yelling at them or not and coming in with that heat either. He could have just told the truth because Christ would tell the truth too. But I think it was done in gentleness, like the truth and love approach. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. here's what happens when some, here, anger and fear, those are the threat emotions. The relationship is going to be severed if someone is coming with those two things, because that's the run or fight sort of feeling you can't maintain um the dialogue because now i've got adrenaline because you have adrenaline um you're not being real friendly to me so i don't really think i you have my best interests right. in mind at this moment right i think that there's plenty in the world that to be angry about mm -hmm. but to be angry at people is a, a different story that's good uh, because here's what I found because um, I have to deal with the media with people because this media is just pernicious and it's doing terrible damage to people with their anxiety. And that's not just my opinion that has been shown in research. When I get people away from that, you know, stop watching that channel and stop listening yeah. to the gossip and political activism because it's, it's, it's intruding on your peace. Okay. Mm -hmm. They stop feeling angry about the world. They feel more sad or deep disappointment with how it is because anger is usually a secondary emotion usually, right? It's we get hurt, then we mm -hmm. respond to it with anger, but it, it almost always has an element of harm or wish to do harm. And that harm might just be, I'm going to uh, make you feel small. Yeah. Or I'm gonna, you know, I'll tell you off in some way, but it's there to lift heavy objects and to defend ourselves. And uh, which means hurting or damaging other things. So I think we can do almost everything better with it without anger, mm -hmm. not fight. You need that to, to actually fight.
Once in a while, you got to be in a fight for somebody for their attention and that energy, that adrenaline, if it can be tempered with gentleness. Right. But I'm talking about a physical fight. Yeah. Physical fight. I, I, I can't think of one thing that um, if I were calm and thoughtful, um, that I couldn't do better than if my frontal lobe is being hijacked by my limbic system. Uh, and I've got all this adrenaline, which we can't think clearly that way for one thing. Mm. Right. We don't want to. Th- think clearly our, our, our attention narrows and we, we hyper-focus on the object in front of us. We're not uh, at peace uh, because our autonomic nervous system is firing in a way that we, we have to, we have energy that we have to discharge, you know, by running or hitting or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if anger could cause me to be mad at something that is distracting me from better things, bring it on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and what I'm saying, it's not either, or I, I don't, I try not to think in either ors because it's too crude. Mm-hmm. It's on a continuum. Okay. So yeah, I finally, I got, I got, I got uh, really angry and my blood pressure went up a little bit, but I did clean my car because I was yeah. so mad and disgusted. Okay, fine. If that's what it took for you, but I'm, I'm looking at what is the way that looks more like what Christ told us to do and demonstrated for us. And he did not, there's that one line, you'll be angry, but don't sin. But I don't think he was said, Hey, listen, come here try to get angry more. Just don't sin. It wasn't that. It was like, no, you're going to have anger. Just make sure you don't separate yourself from God with that. But I don't think that it's a injunction or. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's the power of gentleness. You could take Uh, any one of these emotions that are volatile or that are negative, quote unquote. And if you could feed them through the lens of gentleness, if you could take the anger, the thing that's fired you up, maybe it's a cause maybe it's human suffering and you could take that energy and that effort, but focus it through the lens of gentleness, boy, you could change the world. That's what I'm thinking. If you could take the fear that has made you get away from something or that you're afraid of for somebody and, and focus it through the lens of gentleness, both to, to yourself and to the thing that you are fearful of, Mm -hmm. I think rationality comes into play then. I think strategy comes into play Mm -hmm. because the lens of gentleness gives you time and patience and kindness in order to not just be victimized by whatever negative spewing thing is going on. Hatred, you know, I guess that's anger to the extreme or unforgiveness. We talk a lot about unforgiveness. If you could take your unforgiveness, filter it through the lens of gentleness, I think your eyes would be open to many options that you would have for a past hurt, a current situation going on. And maybe that's a, a good way to end is, is to think of gentleness, not as some kind of weakness, but almost mm-hmm. as a scope through which you will be most effective in meeting with other people, tackling challenges that come at you in your personal life, in the world, on social media. If you can see all of that funneled through this lens of gentleness, Mm -hmm. how effective your living would be. Listen, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your modeling of what gentleness could look like in how you never give up on us, in how you treat us better than we treat ourselves, in how you are encouraging, you are for us in such a way that we can barely even imagine it. And I thank you, God, for your gentleness, even in the midst of all of your other attributes that you have offered that to us. And I pray, God, that we would filter our lives through the lens of gentleness toward ourselves, toward our kids, toward our parents, toward 
when we're losing patience with somebody, toward our frustrations when we've made assumptions that just aren't true and we end up frustrated. Lord, help us to filter our lives through the peace, through the meekness, through the humility, through the kindness, through the goodness that comes when we approach all of that with gentleness. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.